Hello and welcome back. You're listening to the ACAP Coffee Break with Meg Murray, a podcast from the Association for Community Affiliated Plans. Thanks for listening. Our guest today is Peter Marino, the president and CEO of Neighborhood Health Plan of Rhode Island, a founding ACAP member plan. Here's Meg. Welcome to the ACAP Coffee Break, where we have interesting discussions with the CEOs of our health plans. And today we're meeting with Peter Marino, who is the CEO of one of the founding plans of ACAP, Neighborhood Health Plan of Rhode Island. There have been a lot of great CEOs that have been at Neighborhood, and Peter's definitely in that tradition. So welcome, Peter. Thank you, Meg. Looking forward to the discussion. One of the things we always like to start off with is just asking, how did you get there? to both neighborhood and to healthcare? Well, I can imagine you get lots of interesting answers from folks when you ask that question. So when I was young, I wanted to be a fishing guy. Um, so what natural place to land in healthcare, right? It's a good <laughs> connection. Uh, but actually my career was uh, prior to neighborhood was entirely in the public finance sector. Um, I was involved in running the Office of Management Budget for the state of Rhode Island um, under Governor Chafee. So I handled a lot of the budget decisions for the state uh, and developing the budget to submit to the legislature. Prior to that, I was the fiscal advisor to the Senate. So I was involved in developing recommendations for them on a wide range of issues, including financing healthcare, financing Medicaid, and how those budget decisions would impact other issues in the budget. Um, so I had a wide range of financial experience, but very little healthcare experience. Um, so, that took me into a path of where I was at OMB doing budgets and the like, but um, what drove me to healthcare actually wasn't healthcare. It was actually healthcare for folks who really haven't had an opportunity to get access to great care. They've struggled to get quality care. They've struggled to get access to care. And so it wasn't just healthcare in general. It was very narrow in that there was a clear gap in fairness in the system. And that was what piqued my interest in thinking about what to do with my time. You know, um, my dad, who was a, who, uh, was a career Marine vet, um, he gave me pretty good advice. You know, he told me that uh, what you do with your time is the single most important thing or decision that you make in life. It's what you do with your family, with your friends, and with your career. You got to make it count. So that's why I was interested in getting into this part of the world. And um, in my mind, this was the place where I wanted to be. And timing was actually very good. Neighborhood was in transition and looking for a new CEO. Um, they were looking at what the ACA was going to do to the organization and how it was going to grow and expand to cover more people in the state. And um, they looked to me as an opportunity and it was just kind of a match made in heaven, actually. I was actually very pleased with the discussions that we had and most importantly, when I looked at neighborhood and its long tradition and reputation, it really was a compelling argument to, to make a difference. Neighborhood has been around for over 25 years. As you mentioned, it's a founding member of ACAP. Um, but, but more importantly, it had a reputation for excellence. And my first point about trying to make sure folks have great access to care, regardless of their status in life, regardless of their skin color, um, neighborhood was actually making it happen in Rhode Island. Um, and uh, so I was excited about joining the team. I, I look forward to what, what's next for neighborhood as well, not just uh, what's been behind it. So it's an exciting opportunity. 
Well, we're always proud to say that Neighborhood is a member of ACAP, given how well you do on the NCQA accreditation and the ratings and, and just the, the role that your plan has played in Rhode Island. Yeah, well, you can't understate the, the impact Neighborhood has had. When you think about it, Neighborhood was rated excellent by NCQA for 19 years in a row. There's not another plan in the country that can claim that. Um, and we've continued to be one of the top 10 Medicaid plans in the country by, based on NCQA rankings. So I've been a firm believer, whether in my prior career or at Neighborhood, that if you focus on quality, everything else will follow. And um, with the NCQA rankings continuing to be among the best in the country, um, we continue to have very high CAP scores for our duals demonstration, amongst the highest in the country. Um, I don't know if other plans do the, do the same kind of analysis, but we do the net promoter score process. And our net promoter score for our Medicaid members and the service they receive is 69. That is considered world-class. And we're in the same company as Apple. Um, so I think that's a real tribute to the work that our employees do every day, as well as the great partnership we have with our providers. I think we can't get that done without having that kind of a relationship. And um, I think neighborhood over the years has demonstrated that you pay attention to quality, it translates into great care. You mentioned, of course, that med you're in the Medicaid program and that's really your bread and butter and you're in the duals program, but I know that you're also in the marketplace program. You were one of the plans that we laughingly refer to as our loony plans because they are, went into all three um, lines of business. And, um, and you have survived. Uh, I think you've been in since the very beginning. So how did enrollment in, um, open enrollment go this year? Um, and are you, I forget if Rhode Island has reopened their um, marketplaces um, like the, the federal exchange has. Well, that's a great question. Um, just a little bit of the history is important. Uh, when the marketplace was first being created, we have a state marketplace here in Rhode Island. It's not the federal side of the equation. So it's state run. Um, when they were creating it, um, very few plans were interested in participating. And to be quite frank, if neighborhood did not step up to participate, there probably would not have been a successful exchange here in Rhode Island. So uh, kudos to neighborhood in making that key decision and understanding the relationship between the marketplace and Medicaid. I think that made a tremendous difference in being successful. And the marketplace grew slowly. It only had thousands, not 50,000 or anything like that. It had only thousands of members initially. And now it's in the 30 plus thousand members, um, but um, neighborhood has done very well in the marketplace. We have about 80% of the market. Um, there's a one other player in the marketplace at this point and uh, they, we continue to dominate in this area. Um, I think it's because we understood that the, the interconnections between how people are dealing with the economic anxieties in their lives um, and the interplay between what's happening particularly now and their concerns over making sure they have quality health care. And I think we hit a sweet spot and we've done very well. Um, obviously in this most recent economic downturn, there's been some movement between the exchange and Medicaid. So there's been some decline in overall membership in the exchange, but it's shown up in our Medicaid rates. And that's, what, that's the reason why we got into the exchange because we know there's going to be movement back and forth between those lines of business. Uh, you know, when we think about what, what the exchange means to us, I actually have a, a quick story that I think would be helpful to kind of play that out for you. Um, it was through our member services and our, and our discussions with a particular member who actually wrote us a nice note after the fact. So this is how we kind of know her experience. Um, 
she reached out to our call center because her doctor's office recommended reaching out to neighborhood. Um, in her case, last November, she was really worried about paying her bills. Um, she was a single woman, a homeowner, a small business owner, and health insurance costs were just getting out of hand for her. And she was struggling to figure out how to cover her, cover her health insurance. Um, but in her note, she said, after talking with neighborhood, she had a better understanding of what her options were. She had a better understanding that her doctors were indeed in the network. Oftentimes, I'm sure as you talk to other ACAP plans, that always has a discussion is what's in their network, who, which doctors, and that's, that's one of the areas that neighborhoods excelled at is a, in a network that's very comprehensive. But um, she was very satisfied because she understood healthcare a little bit better, and she was able to make a better, more informed decision. And um, what was really nice to hear that is that we kind of took the pressure off of her. She was able to make a decision in a way that made it easy for her to do business with us. It was a nice reflection to hear that the her provider had recommended talking to us. So all the way around, it was a good feeling that people are using the exchanges in a way that we expected them to, to get better informed and to pick a, a plan that makes sense. And is the state opening the exchange then um, past the normal time it would have closed? Well, it, it appears that, you know, the discussions are well underway. We're supportive, obviously, of um, having an, an additional open enrollment. Um, I think that's most likely to be the case. Um, I haven't heard definitively, but I would expect it to be the case. The other area that a lot of plans are, are gearing up for is helping with the vaccine rollout and particularly through um, education of their members, um, but in other ways too. Sometimes some of our plans are actually offering up their offices as vaccine sites um, or um, encouraging staff to volunteer and then having the plan pay them to help with the vaccine rollout. What is Neighborhood doing to ensure that people in Rhode Island are getting vaccinated? Well, as you can imagine, just like everywhere across the country, this is probably first and foremost on everybody's mind. Um, we're an active partner in working with the Rhode Island's vaccine plan. Um, the State Department of Health is running point for the entire state, so everybody else is to make sure they're well in line with that direction so there's no um, confusion to providers and folks who need to get the vaccine. Um, so we're, we're an active partner in that process and we have an internal working group that focuses on the clinical side, the data that we need to have available, and to be quite frank, the marketing team is just as important. And I guess that's where I would spend a little bit of time talking about our role is that uh, we're most concerned about at-risk members, um, folks who are concerned about the efficacy of the vaccine, its safe safety features, um, and whether or not they're gonna have access to getting the vaccine. There's language barriers and other challenges there. So we've, we've really focused our efforts on how do we help encourage people to get the vaccine when the opportunity first arises because we're concerned that there's gonna be a, a high decline rate in certain uh, communities. So we've invested a lot of resources and time to really buttress that to make sure that we can be successful in getting people vaccinated. We're working with our providers, we're working with our community organizations and um, our internal community outreach team has done a tremendous job just building those relationships so that we can be successful. Have you heard about um, hesitancy by some of the frontline workers in nursing homes or home care workers? Is that something that you're dealing with in Rhode Island? Yes, there's, there's certainly um, hesitancy in certain areas. You know, the um, nursing homes staff, they've had a higher rate of folks who have declined to take the vaccine at this point in time. But I think 
over time, people will begin to understand that um, it's a very safe um, vaccine. What we've been messaging is really kind of a three-legged stool, is to test often, to treat immediately, and to vaccinate when eligible. And that's been kind of our, our key messaging throughout, is just focus on those items. And the frontline staff is certainly one that we care a great deal about. Um, our state has now started to reach out to age cohorts, um, 75 and older, and moving down those age cohorts. Um, as you move down, it's going to get more complicated because more people become eligible, and it will depend greatly on both the volume of vaccines available and logistics to get it done. Um, so we're just trying to be a, an active partner and offer up solutions when we can that might be useful to the to the uh, team. Um, and with Rhode Island. We're about seven and a half to eight percent of the population is now vaccinated at least once. Um, and uh, we're hopeful that we can get some momentum so that we get there fast. So the other question we always like to ask our CEOs is what are you reading either for pleasure to kind of detox from the stress of the job or uh, to educate yourself further about the needs of the job? You always ask that question, even when we're going to one of our uh, ACAP meetings and stuff. So that I enjoy forms. So I always like to hear what people are reading. So I'm going to throw you a curveball. Okay. So the most recent book that I was reading, and I finished it a little while ago, um, The Warrior Culture of the U.S. Marine Corps oh. um, by an author named Marion Starkey. And um, I'd recommend the book for a couple of reasons. One is it's interesting insights and in just organizational culture. Right? The Marine Corps is its own, own being, its own organism for well over 200 years. You know, it's the oldest standing um, force in the United States. Um, but the observations in the book about the obligations of leadership, which is what I found the most fascinating, um, it offers an interesting perspective and really has helped me continue to refine how I want to lead. And uh, if anyone wanted to pick that up strictly from a leadership educational perspective. I think they get some value out of it. You know, I was, I was thinking about your question about why neighborhood. And I have a really good story I want to share with you mm -hmm. at that time. Um, so when my kids were younger, I obviously would take them to the, to the pediatrician. And one time I was there and the nurse that was working with my kids found out that I worked at neighborhood. And um, she told me without any prodding, she said, you know, working with neighborhood is like somebody giving you and putting over your shoulders a warm blanket. Mm -hmm. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, when you're dealing with neighborhood on behalf of a patient, neighborhood makes sure that the, the person is taken care of and that they're safe, which I thought was really important. Um, so I was already there saying, okay, that's why I'm at neighborhood, right? That's, that makes sense to me. So what we did that year was because we heard that from a nurse is that our annual gift to our employees, we all gave, we gave them a neighborhood logoed blanket oh. right? and told the story, which was great. And everybody loved it. But about three weeks after we distributed the blankets, the Northeast was getting hit with a major snowstorm, ice, snow, and everything like that. And uh, we had the idea of seeing who would like to volunteer to give their blankets to homeless shelters. We got all of them back. Oh, wow. Hmm. Every single one of them. Hmm. And um, people volunteered to help distribute them in, in the parks and in the community so that homeless folks who did not want to go into shelters had a little extra warmth they could take with them wherever they were going. Um, and that really spoke volumes to neighborhoods staff. Yes, they're there because of the mission. They're there because they care. 
that's why I'm running. Well, that's a wonderful story, and uh, you have some wonderful staff, too. I know Brenda Whittle's been involved with ACAP from the very beginning, and I'm sure she was involved in that blanket story in some way. So. Absolutely. Brenda is a champion for others every day of her life, and, uh, and just like her staff and others across the organization, that's what they're there to do. Well, we're lucky to have you as a member of the plan, as well as you being involved. You're on our um, now on our newly reconstituted board of directors, and we appreciate your service to ACAP and the ACAP. I enjoy it, and I appreciate all the work that ACAP and the team does for, for our plans and, and Medicaid in general. Thanks for listening today. You can find Peter's book recommendation and others on our Goodreads bookshelf. You'll find the link in the description of this podcast. Don't miss an episode. You can find and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And when you do, give us a shout on Twitter using the hashtag ACAPCoffeeBreak. We'll put you in a drawing for a Starbucks gift card so the next time you tune in, your coffee's on us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.